Uh, The reading this evening is Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is God's word. Welcome again. Uh, my name is Toby. I'm one of the apprentices here at Christchurch Mayfair. Um, keep your Bibles open. That's where we're going to be spending the next few minutes. Let's pray. Father, we praise you for your goodness. We praise you for all that you have given us. And we praise you above all for your son, Jesus. And we pray that you would help us to see him more clearly tonight. Amen. People make the best gifts. People make the best gifts. Uh, now, before you start getting nervous about what happens in my family at Christmas time, I'm not talking about going on the street, grabbing someone random, wrapping them up, placing them under the tree, presenting them to a bemused relative on Christmas morning. Uh, not at all. I'm talking about relationship. Talking about relationship. In relationship, one person is giving themselves to another. And this gift of a person through relationship far exceeds anything material that they could give each other. When someone offers you their friendship, and I mean truly offers it to you, not just on Facebook, that's a deeply powerful thing. When a man and a woman get married, they are offering themselves utterly to each other. They have nothing deeper or more precious to give. The gift of a person through relationship is more powerful. It's the most incredible gift we can give or receive. And if you're a Christian, then this is the kind of gift you have been given. If you're a Christian, this is the kind of gift you have been given. Being a Christian means receiving so many good and incredible things, uh, salvation, life forever, a family, but you have received something better. And if you're here and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, uh, then I want you to know that you're welcome uh, and that this gift is available to you as well. Philippians 2 verses 6 to 11 describes this gift beautifully to us. Uh, So that's where we're going to be spending the next few minutes. I think these verses say possibly the most incredible thing that's ever been said. Uh, I'm not sure it's possible to form a sentence that holds a more incredible truth than what these verses say. Um, 
Philippians is a letter that a Christian man named Paul uh, wrote to some Christians just under 2,000 years ago, uh, but its message is as true for us now as it was for them then. So if you're ready, let's, let's dive in together. Verse 6. Jesus, who being in very nature God. Jesus, who being in very nature God. We'll stop there for now. Uh, don't worry, we will go faster through the rest of the passage. But it's really important that before we go any further, uh, we've really grasped what this verse is saying. The first thing to note is that Paul is talking about Jesus, and the second is that he's saying Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Some of you might think that's a ludicrous thing to say, uh, and it is quite a claim. But I would encourage you to look at the evidence for yourselves. It might not be as ludicrous as you think. Others will be thinking that it's an obvious thing to say. And yeah, in, in some ways it is. But I would say that it's crucial that we are continually reminded about the truth of this claim and the implications of it. Because we've got to try and avoid a small view of Jesus. We've got to try and avoid a small view of Jesus. It's all too easy to look at Jesus and become numb to his divinity. We find ourselves looking at him doing all the things that humans do, uh, eating, drinking, teaching, uh, and then dying, but forgetting the magnitude of what's actually going on. C.S. Lewis depicts Jesus uh, in Narnia as a lion, and he's good and he's kind and he guides and leads the children. Uh, but Lewis makes very clear that he's not a tame lion. He's not a tame lion. Uh, and the same is true of Jesus. Jesus is like that. He is a man. He is a human being. But he is so, so much more than just a man. We've got to remember that. Let's step away from the book of Philippians just for a moment uh, to better understand the verse that we've just read. Um, don't turn there, but Colossians 1, verses 15 to 17 says this about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And then Hebrews 1, uh, verses 2 to 3 His son, Jesus, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. All things. All things. These verses are saying something incredible. That the universe was made through Jesus, that Jesus holds the universe together, and that the universe was made for Jesus. That all of this is true about him. He is so much more than just a man. But all things were made through him. The, the biggest galaxy, the burning sun, the mountains, the oceans, uh, all the crazy and amazing animals that David Attenborough shows us on planet Earth, the tiniest atoms, you and me, everything was created through Jesus. He is the means by which all things came to be. He's fairly significant. And he holds all things together. He holds all things together. This universe is massive. And Jesus is the one sustaining it. Jesus is the one sustaining it. No one knows why the laws of physics are constants. No one knows why things 
will be the same tomorrow as they are today. It's because Jesus is sustaining it. Jesus is sustaining this universe. And if he stopped just for one moment, then everything would fall apart. Everything would fall apart. All things are holding together in him. What does that say about him? He's bigger than reality. He's holding reality together. Jesus is more than we can comprehend. Like He is immense. He's not a tame lion. And all things are for him. Why does all of this exist? What is the universe doing here? What, what is its purpose? It was made for him. All of this exists for Jesus. Have you ever wondered what the meaning of life is? It's him. The meaning of life is Jesus. He's the one that it's all about. Jesus is immense. He's so much more than just a man. He's so much more than we can comprehend. What these verses are saying is that Jesus is God himself. Look down at verse 6 of our passage again. Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God. Jesus is in very nature God. He is huge. He's more than we can imagine. But none of this, none of this is what's most incredible about Jesus. What's most incredible is the choice that he made. Let's read on, verses 6 and 7. Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Now this is definitely, in with a shout, uh, being the most incredible thing that's ever been said. But Jesus, God, the one through whom the universe was made, the one who holds the universe together, the one whom the universe exists for, Jesus being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, being found in human likeness. For anyone who might not be familiar with Christian things, that first bit might be slightly confusing. Um, how can Jesus be spoken of as being God, but also as having equality with God? If you'd like to, to talk about this or anything else for that matter afterwards, then please do come and find me. Um, but essentially, what Christians believe is that Jesus is God, but he's also the Son of God. He is divine, and so he is God, but he has a Father who is also God. And they are distinct, but they aren't separate gods. They are one God. And it's both simple and beautiful and confusing. Uh, but the point being made is this, that Jesus had everything. He had perfect joy, perfect relationship, unlimited freedom, unlimited power, all praise, honor, glory, worship, and adoration. And yet he laid all of it aside. He let it all go. He didn't consider equality with God his Father something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Jesus held his own godness lightly. His status as God, with all the glory and honor and praise rightfully ascribed to him, he held lightly. He had everything, and he laid it all aside. He made himself nothing. He went from everything to nothing. And he became a baby. It says made in human likeness. He became a tiny, weak, 
vulnerable, powerless baby, utterly dependent on human beings for his survival. All that power, all that glory, all that infiniteness laid aside. This became this. It's like a mountain becoming a pebble. It's just incredible. It's, it's the most ridiculous thing. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. That's what Christmas is all about. It's this incredible, mind-blowing thing that Jesus has done. It's like this. Uh, imagine that you're in a winning position um, in life. You've, you've always had a dream of starting your own business. Uh, and finally, you've managed it. Finally. It's been years of hard graft, but finally you're there. Uh, you're afloat. Things are stable. Your income is picking up momentum. Uh, things are looking pretty rosy for the future. Uh, your friends from school uh, or uh, university and your first few jobs are looking on uh, enviously. And then imagine that one day you decide to give it all up. To give it all up. And instead to start a life with nothing. Living on the streets, begging for a meal in the freezing cold. That would be nothing compared to what Jesus gave up. Nothing compared to what Jesus gave up. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. All that power, all that glory, all that infiniteness laid aside. But he didn't stop there. He didn't stop there. Let's read on. Um, Verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man... He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus, this immense being, God himself, stepped aside from all that was his, became a weak, powerless, dependent baby born on the floor of a stable. Surely this is crazy enough. Surely this is far enough. But no, he still had more to give. He went to his cross. If you're not a Christian, then you'll probably still have heard uh, about the crucifixion of Jesus. That's what these verses are talking about. He gave up his life. He made himself nothing. Jesus, the one through whom the universe was made, the one who holds the universe together, the one that the universe exists for, God himself willingly gave himself over to human beings who hated him, who spat on him, who beat him, who whipped him, who insulted him, who hammered nails into his flesh, pinning him to a wooden cross and left him there humiliated and in agony to die. Jesus, who had everything, laid it all aside. He gave everything up. He gave everything that he had to give. God became nothing and then died. Why? Why? Why did Jesus do this? Uh, What lies behind the choice revealed to us in these verses? The answer is in another verse in the Bible. Uh, Don't turn to it. It's in Galatians 2 verse 20. It says, The Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Why did Jesus do it? Why did he lay aside all that was his, everything that he had? Why did he give his own life? 
Well, what do all the great stories point to? All the great films, all the great books, the poems, the myths, the fairy tales, what do they point to? What's the answer that we long to hear? The Bible says that the answer is love. That he did it for love. The Bible says that Jesus knows you better than anyone and that Jesus loves you more than anyone. And that Jesus considered saving your life worth giving everything for. This is the choice that he made. All that he had to give, he gave to save you. He became a man. He died to set you free because he loves you. And the craziest thing of all is that what he was saving us from was our own rejection of him. That's right. The Bible teaches us that each of us has rejected God in our own way and that this rejection is a crime that deserves punishment and that when Jesus came and died, he was paying the price for this sin and rebellion against God, which was ultimately against him. He gave up everything out of love for those who had given up him. And that's the kind of person that Jesus is. He is mighty, yes. He is powerful, yes. He is beyond what we can comprehend, yes. But he loves and he gives and he gives and he gives. And he sacrifices himself out of love for those who deserve it least. He's incredible. And if all we leave with today is just slightly, just a bit more wonder at all that Jesus is and the choice that he's made, then I think that's okay. And the final incredible thing about this God who loves and gives no matter what the cost is that death couldn't hold him. Death couldn't hold him. Death, the enemy, every single human being uh, has gone toe-to-toe with and been beaten by could not beat Jesus. He rose from death, defeating the grave, defeating our enemy, and now he reigns as king. Let's read uh, verses 9 to 11. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This Jesus reigns. He is king. And what a king he is. Have you ever thought that you've known someone and then they've, they've gone and done something that's completely changed your perception of them? Well, if all we'd known about Jesus was that he was a king, mighty and powerful, then we might have drawn some pretty wrong conclusions about him. Um, might and power don't always go with the best kinds of people in this life. Um, but Jesus, in laying aside all that was his, all that he has, because he loves us, even his life, has shown us what he's really like. He is the king who loves and gives no matter what the cost. He's the king the world is looking for. He is incredible and wonderful and beautiful beyond compare. There is no one else like him. And he is the gift that Christians have been given. Jesus is the gift. Jesus is the gift. Jesus, mighty, awesome, self-sacrificing, loving Jesus is the gift. And as he acted according to his nature, laid aside his glory and his life for us, he was offering himself to us. 
Jesus is the gift. And nothing else compares. Jesus is the gift. That was part one. Nothing else compares. It's part two. I don't know what you would say the best part of Christianity is. For my money, it's got to be this. It's got to be this. It's not just that we get to live forever. It's that we get Jesus. We get Jesus. There's nothing more wonderful in the entire universe than Jesus, and we get him. There's no gift greater than the gift of a person. And we have been given the greatest person of them all. We get Jesus. We get to know him. We get to share this life, the life that he created, with him. Here, now, in this life, we get a living and real relationship with Jesus. And then one day, we will see him face to face. One day we will truly be with him, and that will be the best day of our lives. Can you imagine looking into the face of someone who is pure goodness and love? Someone who loves you enough to die for you. The one who created you. What will that be like? Paul, uh, the guy who wrote Philippians, he, he really got this. He says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. To live is Christ, and to die is gain. And, and now that we know Jesus, now that we know all that he's done, uh, what else would we live for as Christians? That, that makes sense. But to die is gain? That sounds insane, doesn't it? How could, how could dying possibly be gain? Because to die means that we can be with Jesus. Paul says a bit after that verse, uh, Philippians 1 verse 23, I desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is better by far. Better by far. Think about all the wonderful and good things in this life. Paul, who had met Jesus, says that being with Jesus is better by far than all of those things. They won't even compare. The best meal, uh, the best holiday, the best friend, nothing will compare. Paul had lost a lot by becoming a Christian. He was massive in the Jewish world. He was one of the top dogs. Uh, and to become a Christian, he'd had to give all of that up. He'd been kicked out. They'd even tried to kill him. He'd basically lost absolutely everything. But listen to what he says. Philippians chapter 3 verse 8. I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Paul is saying that whatever I've lost to get Jesus, it's worth it. It's worth it because of who he is. Because he is so much better. Because Jesus is so much better. Jesus is the gift that we've been given. I want to say uh, just three things that I think this means for us. Firstly, don't settle. Don't settle. Don't be satisfied with smaller pleasures, with smaller joys. The holiday, the good book, uh, the day off, the project, work, the movie, the friendship, the relationship. 
This world offers us so many good and wonderful things, and God wants us to enjoy them. But don't live for them. Don't settle for them. We were created for so much more. So much more. For a joy that eclipses all other joys. We were created to know Jesus. We were created to have him. And if we're Christians, then we have been given him. So let's make that our passion. Let's make knowing him our passion. Knowing him, enjoying him, and longing for the day when we will be with him. Don't settle for smaller pleasures. Enjoy them. Don't live for them. Live for Christ. And secondly, I really just want us to get excited. It's built into us, isn't it, to get excited when we see something that we want. There's literally nothing better than what we've been given. Look at Jesus. Get excited. There's nothing better that you could be offered and you have been given him. And we haven't even started to plumb the depths of relationship with him. So let's get excited about knowing Jesus. And thirdly, let's share him. Let's share him. I read this the other day. Um, it's a quote from an American writer called Donald Miller. And he's voicing what an alien might think uh, after observing humanity for a while. And he says this. It is as though something that, ha- that helps them function and live well has gone missing. And they are pining for that missing thing in all sorts of odd methods, none of which are working. They are an entirely beautiful people with a terrible problem. I think this, this is such an insightful quote, uh, because it's true. Humanity is missing what was supposed to be at its heart, what was supposed to be at the heart of every single individual. The human race was created to know and enjoy Jesus. He is what our brothers and sisters are longing for, what our friends are longing for, what our enemies are longing for. And we have it within our means to share him with them. So let's do it. I want to close uh, with some words from Jesus and some more words from C.S. Lewis. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. This is what Jesus says to you. This is what he says to me. He invites us to know him, to give him our struggles, our failings, our guilt, our worries. No matter what we've done, no matter where we're at, he offers us rest, he offers us life, and he offers us himself. If you're not a Christian, you might be hearing this for the first time. Uh, If you are a Christian, you might need to hear it again. Jesus says, come to me. So if you are a Christian, then keep looking to Jesus. Keep looking to Jesus. Know him. Enjoy him. And if you're not a Christian, then Jesus offers himself to you too. And if you want him, you can have him. Just remember that he's not a tame lion. That will be on his terms and not yours. I'll close with just some more words from C.S. Lewis. I have come, said a deep voice behind them. They turned and saw the lion himself, so bright and real and strong that everything else began at once to look pale and shadowy compared with him. 
Let's pray. Jesus, we praise you for all that you are. We thank you so much for all that you have done, for the choice that you've made for us. We are so excited about knowing you, about living this life with you, and about seeing us face, seeing you face to face. Help us not to settle, Jesus, for, for the smaller pleasures, the smaller joys, but to make knowing you our passion. Amen.